It's the Morgan Evans More or Less Pickleball Podcast coming at you in three, two, one, boom. Today's guests are a couple of blokes that are on a tear. Tyson McGuffin and Riley Newman. Team New Guffin, as they're known, has set the pickleball world on fire with wins in Hawaii, Newport, and Georgia, propelling them to the top of the charts in the PPA rankings. We're going to talk about their style, their strategy, their paddles, and their opponents. I'm also going to introduce a new segment called What Makes Them Great. It's going to highlight an aspect of their game that can help you at home take your game to the next level. So sit back and enjoy some time with Tyson and Riley. Gentlemen, how are you doing? What's going on, my man? No mucho. Everything is uh, fine and dandy, as well as to be expected in uh, this day and age. Looks like you two are doing swimmingly. You're coming off some fantastic wins. You uh, you took the gold at the Newport Showcase and then the Georgia Open. How's it feeling? It's feeling pretty good. Getting gold every now and then. It's not too shabby. I'm not going to lie. I've kind of spent my last couple of years just drowning in silver, all due to Ben yeah, Johns thanks, and... Simone Jordan, hey, not, not because <laughs> hey, of you on. at all. <laughs> I was your silver wingman, buddy. We, we were silver surfers. <laughs> come on. We were so good at silver. Yeah, I know, right, right. But no, life's, life's good. I'm actually uh, here in Vegas. Just got done playing the Vegas Open, sitting here with uh, lovely Meg and our little newborn. Yeah. How's Banks? She's doing great. She's four weeks, you know, living the dream. I noticed she doesn't have her own social media profile That's, that's coming very soon. When is that going to get going? Jeez. Probably like two weeks out. I'm surprised she's not teaching camp. <laughs> she's going to be teaching camps at the end of the month, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good stuff. Good stuff. Hey, Riley, you and I are going to be teaching a camp. I've signed up to help out with a, a level up camp. Apparently, you're coming coming to my part of the world. Is that true? Well, this is news to me. Well, now you know. But now we Don't know. And out. now we're going to kick Tyson and Banks' is. Uh, career uh out of the way yeah, yeah right right right. they wouldn't be possible without morgan and i are just going to kick them the curb and so good. yes but putting a a baby into unemployment yeah. morally i can do it that's fine <laughs> no but everything everything's good like tyson mentioned coming off just a lot of confidence in the last two gold victories i feel like we're kind of starting to play our best pickleball it took a couple of months to get there but now we kind of know what each other likes to do on the court kind of finding the best opportunities to be successful and so far we're playing pretty well so you guys look like you're stacking, keeping Tyson on the right, you on the left there, Riley. Tell me, what was the kind of main thinking behind that decision? Well, honestly, I think it was a pretty simple solution. I think Tyson's probably known for having the best forehand dink in the game. And then also my backhand's not too shabby with the little two hands. <laughs> so um, it really just fits both of our strengths. Keeps me kind of getting some of those balls in the middle of my forehand to, to be aggressive mm. and poach. And right now it's working out to be a good partnership. Seems to be. Yeah, I think I think early on we were kind of playing straight up and still trying to figure some stuff out. And just like what Rice said, I think our best recipe is me being on the right, me kind of doing most of the heavy duty lifting with probably seeing a good majority of the balls, if you know what I mean. But yeah, I think it works out well with you know me kind of taking control from the baseline, me taking most of the thirds, letting ride disconnect, 
let him cause havoc up there and poach away and be super offensive. And I think he's probably one of the few guys that does a very good job of disconnecting and just making a mess up there. And I think he's one of the few guys that has the quickest first step in that poaching scenario. So he's able to kind of get in there and get his hands dirty, get some free points for us. And then, uh, and then sure. from the kitchen line, yeah, I think it's trying to set Rye up, trying to put Rye in a position where he can use those hands and get in some exchanges. So, uh, no, I, I'd like the idea of me kind of staying on the right, then me looking to like speed up middle or speed up cross, and then kind of keep that hand speed battle in front of Rye. Seems like a winning formula. I remember when I had a run with Marcin Rospensky, the, the Polish monster, it was a similar kind of feeling like it was just better off me driving the third and letting Marcin disconnect and use his wingspan yeah, to, sure. um, to go and do some damage, get the old shake and bake. Get the old the shake order. and bake going. There's, I mean, still to this day, there's so much value. And I think we probably win, let's say 10 to 15% of our points just with that shake and bake play, right getting up there and making a presence yeah. and using that big frame. And it, it's tough when you're hitting a fourth ball not to be looking at things you don't have control of when your opponent's up and moving and trying to poach, you know? Oh, for sure. It's a nightmare for a, a fourth ball player yeah, it's, to it's be tough. seeing someone with that kind of wingspan coming in. Uh, like, where do I hit it? And how can I hit this softly enough to not get in real trouble? Yeah. So well done, Riley. Good job, bud. Way to be tall and rangy. That's right. I got to use my six foot three frame, uh, put it to use. You know, it might be a little bit on the scrawny side, but I still feel like <laughs> I can get enough pop with that new Selkirk Mach 6 paddle, which will be coming Ooh. out very soon. I will uh, plug in there. Yeah. Uh, scrawny, but very handsome. Very handsome. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I think obviously everyone knows, you know, Tyson's uh, forehand from the baseline is just super lethal, heavy, powerful, usually stays low off the mm. net. So then that just puts, puts me in a position where I can be super aggressive. And if I see that drive coming off hot, I can be coming in looking to do some damage. So I think it just uh, works for both of us. Yeah, 60% of the time, that forehand goes in every time. Every time, baby. <laughs> every time, baby. <laughs> you know it. No, it's true, Riley. I mean, do you remind you remind me yeah, a lot of, of a younger me, except taller, sort of better looking, more talented, <laughs> younger, and with a two-handed backhand dink. Other than that, very similar. With just an uglier voice. I mean, I wish I had the Aussie accent, but yeah, right. um, one can only dream. I can teach you that, actually. I've been pulling off this Aussie accent thing for a while. I'm actually from Alabama. 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 <laughs> ah, good stuff. So now you, you both come from a tennis background and you know, as kids you had some, some storied battles. What was it like going from knowing each other and having some real heated battles as tennis players to then finally teaming up and taking over the world, so to speak? You know, what's kind of funny is that when I brought it up to Rye 10 years later, I think it was last year, right? Right? It was that East versus West. I, I brought up that match that we'd played together. I think I was, uh, Rye was like a freshman going into Seattle U. You were like 18 or 19. I think I was like 23 or 24. Yeah, it was kind of funny. We we're playing a match at the Bellingham Open. We were in the uh, semifinals, I believe. Won the first set and I was up a break in the second. I'm pretty sure I was serving for it. Anyhow, he ended up breaking back used that inner grit of his and uh, uh, clawed his way back, ended up winning the second set. And then third set, I'm not going to lie, it got very, very messy and, and nobody should ever find out about it. But, you know, just t- just two boys with a lot of fire making some bad line calls and kind of barking at each other. And <laughs> typical stuff like that. But uh, I ended up winning the match. I'm going to claim that. I ended up winning the match in about three and a half hours. But I believe it was seven, six in the third. Anyhow, yeah, it was just one of those matches where it's two guys being way too competitive and may have hooked each other. But uh, here we are, you know, eight, 10 years later, and we're playing doubles together and being very successful. But uh, we have pushed that past us. But it was kind of funny. Last year, I actually brought it up to Rye 
and Rye had mentioned that he thought it was a clean match and that none of that actually went down. And I'm like, no, I no, no. That. Tyson's version of, of Messi is different than my Messi. So obviously <laughs> I've had more of the, the more yeah. of the junior tennis matches where you're calling in referees and yeah, yeah. using parents I'm, as line judges. So I think Tyson might have acted a little bit um, <laughs> responsibly on the court compared to me because I think it's just probably happened all the time where I create feuds. But no, it was it was an intense battle. I do remember playing against him. So um, always uh, tough playing singles against that guy. I can imagine for you, Riley, that level of competitiveness is, is just your average Tuesday with all your siblings, right? Correct. Right, right. So, I mean, when he says there was a battle and it was messy and it was ugly and, you know, I'm just thinking that's just a normal Friday night. D dig your teeth in and get after it. <laughs> I mean, the irony is, you know, the aspects of your games that, that made those exchanges so heated are exactly what's brought you together. You know, just how uber competitive you both are. You know, you were naturally going to end up being on the same team eventually once you got into pickleball because I think you know, it's kind of that law of attraction thing. You, you both have that kind of fire that works with each other. So it's good to see that it's, uh, it's coming out successful. I mean, I feel like the first couple of tournaments we, we played together, I mean, we won a lot of matches just with like a B-minus game of being super physical, putting a lot of balls in play. But we really hadn't quite found like a lot of offense. It was more so just playing good defense and just kind of taking people's gas tanks away. And I think the last couple of tournaments, we've kind of been able to really like produce our best stuff late in the day and kind of find that A game where we're able to find some different ways to be offensive. We're not just relying on the one-dimensional idea of playing good defense and just being physical. So I think obviously with more time, hopefully we can find, you know, different ways to keep creating offense and find some more chemistry with each other. But not going to lie, after beating Matt and Ben twice, it's definitely made me see through a different lens and, and kind of given me a little added confidence, that's for sure. And I think not only yeah. me as an individual, but us as a team, you know. To add on that, I'm sure a lot of listeners can appreciate like the first few tournaments in a partnership, it might not be the best pickleball they play. So it could take them you know, three, four or five tournaments to figure out. You know what's going to be successful as a team what's going to really work and for tyson and i it was just that where first couple of tournaments was kind of that feel out process right. and then uh, all of a sudden once we get more comfortable with each other uh we're starting to find our best level yeah starting to click yep. and i think that's uh that kind of stems from the the benefit that you two have that you know you, you decided preemptively that you were going to play at least uh, a full year and i would assume uh, more so going forward you know that takes a bit of pressure off a partnership you know, whereby you know the first few, it's it's very normal to have some uh, some growing pains and figuring out who goes where and and uh, how to get a united sort of strategy. But if you know that you've got you know eight tournaments coming up in the next six months, it takes so much pressure off to you know, to get it right the first time. Yeah, for sure. No, gives you some time to mold. Just a quick break for a word from our sponsor, Coach Me Pickleball. Practice makes perfect, right? My name is Morgan Evans, and I have to tell you that practice doesn't make perfect. Perfect practice makes progress. That's why we've created Coach Me Pickleball. At Coach Me Pickleball, you'll find an extensive and growing library of lessons on topics covering every aspect of pickleball for every level of player. For one small monthly fee, you'll get access to every video in our library with new content added every month. Check out coachmepickleball.com to sign up for a free seven-day membership. All right, let's head back over to Tyson and Riley. So, 
as as tennis players, as former tennis players, I'm sure you uh, you remember the many great battles that Federer and Nadal had over the years. And you know what's happening right now kind of reminds me of that period where you know Federer. I think it was around 2004 to 2007. He was just absolutely unstoppable, and the world looked at him as infallible. But then Rafa in 2007, 2008 started to you know make some changes. And it kind of opened the doorway for a lot of other players to see Federer in a different way as, you know, possibly being able to beat him. You know, what's happening now, I think very few players have, have been able to, you know, rattle off more than one win against uh, Mr. Johns. But you guys have done it. Is there a parallel? Do you find that's fair? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, especially I think uh, for me personally, I think my first victory against Ben and Kyle was the Las Vegas Open. And that was in twenty. 20- 19. And ever since then, I think my career record was, you know, 0 and 6 against that team. And you finally get over the hump. And it's just not only just a huge mental barrier, but like a belief that you can win um, and the pressure points, not just hang in there, but actually win in the clutch moments. It does a lot for your confidence. I know after that Vegas victory, I was just kind of walking with a little swagger. And, so <laughs> I I, and, and, then, and then now with Tyson on board, we, we got him in Hawaii. Yeah, I think Tyson, what, what was he, like 0-12 against him, and then we got him in Hawaii, so then that confidence just gets raised. I believe Morgan and I were, you know, yeah. ma- maybe maybe over 16, you know, somewhere around Oof. that number. Hey, well, I mean, come on, that's a lot. <laughs> hey, over 10. But then we got him in Hawaii as well. So we did, we did, we did, yeah. Yeah, I'm we back-to-back did. Hawaii Open champs, man. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's amazing. I think you feel you should be obligated to pick someone else next year and see if you can pull off a three-peat. <laughs> but yeah, I think, I mean, I mean, for me, yeah. Like, you know, I mean, obviously I've been battling Ben for way too long in singles. Uh, I just found out that we've actually played 38 times in singles and I do not want to know the overall record. But uh, I won't tell you. Don't any time that I can beat the best player in the world, whether it's in singles, men's, mix, you know, it's a, it's a huge accomplishment. But uh, he's just one of those guys, man, where he's like, he's in people's heads. I mean, so many matches, he walks out there and, and his opponent's already, you know, already like mentally defeated. So he just has such an edge over certain people. So I think, yeah, I mean, when you can like produce your best stuff and pull it out and be able to beat the guy, it's a, it's a huge accomplishment. I mean, I, I can't tell you how many matches he's down in singles men's or mixed where he's you know one of the few guys where like late in the day when like the going gets tough under pressure like the guy never folds you know so being able to like or i guess knowing that he has that over select people and being able to beat him in like a big moment no it's way too cool so i mean that's it's totally true and but i think it's something that changes over time and it takes a team or a player to unveil the curtain of uh, the Wizard of Oz to find out that it's just a guy. He's just a guy, and everybody puts their under on the same leg. Exactly. One leg at a time, baby. <laughs> um, <laughs> sometimes they just jump right in, but it never, it never works out. But, yeah, I think once you know, enough people have done it, uh, what, what has kind of seen to be uh, an impossible task, then you start to kind of steal confidence away. You get the confidence and you steal it from them. It's kind of... You know, it's what happens in a lot of sports. And you guys, you'll be riding this wave of confidence uh, and that's going to help stem some more success. Hopefully, it'll, that kind of wave will never end. But he's, you know, right now, he's he's back home thinking about what he's got to do to maintain that edge over so many players. Yeah. So I'm hoping you guys are brainstorming as well and it's going to be a great game of uh, chess played out on the pickleball court. Yeah, I'm sure him and Matt are brainstorming right this instant. 
Yeah, <laughs> yeah, my money's on you guys. There's no doubt about it. How long is it going to be before there are Vegas bets on this? And ha- have you seen any Vegas odds on uh, pickleball tournaments? You know, not quite yet. You know, someone's got to start it. Someone. Somebody's got to start it. It's probably going to be Shane Stokes. <laughs> oh yes. Yeah. Yes. It's going it, to. It's going to be man. bad boy Shane from from uh, Grand Rapids. <laughs> we won't uh, tell the audience why he's bad boy. We Shane, will leave but, it at uh, that. He knows. <laughs> <laughs> now. Uh, I'm curious, you guys have obviously been in some very uh, tough matches. You've gotten to the end of a lot of tournaments together. Is there, you know, is there anything that helps you mentally? Do, do you kind of have to ever talk to each other on the mental side of things? Um, any little tricks that you do for yourself or for your partner that uh, kind of help you deal with those real pressure situations that kind of makes or breaks a, uh, a gold or silver? Yeah, for sure. I think we actually take a lot of pressure off ourselves because it's a pretty simple recipe. I don't like we try to over communicate. We don't overdo any sort of tactical, you know, idea or we kind of have a set philosophy with where are we going to hit the return, where are we going to drop our drives, And then, you know, once we get to the kitchen line, where's our gains from there but uh like a phrase that like i always use with riley i use the phrase and i and i say steal it in the end you know whether it's like a tight game or whatever just the phrase of saying steal it means like hey lock in don't don't miss a ball like let's try to run away with this thing as quickly as we can and be and be super stingy (laughs) but yeah i think late in the day some of our best stuff really ties into being physical playing good defense not missing not giving a lot of stuff away and then finding some ways to get some free points, whether that's through shake and bake or maybe it's some easy drives, you know, stuff like that. But uh, we're pretty locked in with the recipe and we kind of know what's successful, you know? Nice. Riley, any thoughts? Yeah, absolutely. I think another phrase that's been coined, and I think even Tyson started it, uh, it was at Newport Beach. And I think we won a pretty good point. It was a long, you know, 30, 40 ball dinking rally. And Tyson goes, by the book, baby. And uh, so basically book. meaning, you know, by the book, like pickleball, you know, it's a pretty simple game when you when you think about it. I um, mean, not not doing anything too crazy or special, just kind of playing smart cross courts and just grinding them out, like Tyson mentioned. And um, by the book, you know, it doesn't have to be special. It doesn't have to be that good. Just being consistent and usually limiting your unforced errors, even at the pro level, is going to win you a ton mm. of matches. I think I may have got that from somebody. Hmm. Maybe. I oh, wasn't going to say know, a anything. Circle, huh? Steal yeah, it yeah. and buy the book. <laughs> By the book, we're gonna get T-shirts made. We, we, we did. We got to get T-shirts made. <laughs> we got to get T-shirts. By the book. <laughs> no, that's great stuff. And I remember when you two had agreed to partner up. I was talking to some people about the new partnership, and obviously, people were, you know, aware that uh, you guys were going to be a great team. But a lot of people were saying ah, they're going to spend their whole lives in transition. Kind of alluding to the fact that you both are historically incredible defenders. And the idea of, well, who's going to be the trigger person? Who's going to do the damage up there? But in watching your play, it looks like, you know, you found a, a great way to obviously not just grind out and defend well um, but be consistent with thirds and fits. But I don't know, I don't want to say baiting people into attacking you, but being more of a, a cognizant counterpunching side and, and not afraid to, uh, to kind of push that envelope. Yeah, no, I, I definitely think so. I think uh, yeah, we're selective. I think that's a, b- a big thing for us. Like when we're trying to take balls off our shoelaces and trying to be ultra aggressive, that's not where we're playing our best pickleball. It's when you know Tyson and I are being selective. We're attacking on the right shots, and then when our opponents attack, you know we're looking to have our hands ready and then uh, apply the pressure that way. Okay, we're going to pause it there with Tyson and Riley for a new segment called "What Makes Them Great." 
Now, obviously, there's a lot of things that make Tyson and Riley great, but today I'd like to talk about the most important aspect that can help your game. They both have great patience, and that requires fitness. Poor conditioning can make even the most masterful strategists have some dubious shot selections. How hard are you working on your conditioning? When I get to my club in the morning, I see the same thing time and time again. People put their bags down and get onto the court. After a two-minute lounge around the kitchen, they are apparently ready to play. For many, this game is an enjoyable way to stay in shape. If that describes you, then you may indeed be cruising for an injury. Don't play pickleball to get fit. Get fit to play pickleball. Depending on your level, that means different things. At the highest level, that means high-intensity interval training, plyometrics, resistance training, yoga, massage, prehydration, glyco-loading, trigger point therapy, heat therapy, cold therapy, aromatherapy. Okay, not aromatherapy, I made that up. There is a lot that goes into professional preparation, but as they say, if you fail to prepare, you prepare to fail. I'm not suggesting you go through all of that, but understand that your physical conditioning is a catalyst that will either allow you or stop you from reaching your potential. Try this, okay? Just humor me. For two weeks, I want you to do the basics, and in my opinion, that means these four things. Firstly, when you wake up, hydrate. Water is fine, but your favorite electrolyte mix is better. Just not Gatorade, please. Liquid IV or Advocare Rehydrate are great. Eat a breakfast that is high in glycogen. That's essentially energy that will be stored in your muscles for immediate use, so it doesn't have to draw on protein or fat, which takes much longer to convert to energy. Greek yogurt, fruits, muesli, granola. These things are great, just not bacon and eggs. All right, secondly, when you get to the courts, do a dynamic warm-up. Your walk from the car to the kitchen is not dynamic. A couple of gentle laps around the court to start, followed by a couple more laps doing sidesteps, facing towards the court and then away from the court. Transition into a lap of karaoke steps, or grapevine steps, some people call it. That's where your hips swivel to cross your feet over each other. Maybe Google it so you don't fall over. Keep jogging while you do some butt kicks. Really try to lift those heels. Now that you're really moving, it's time for some high knees. See if you can get them up to your chest, or close enough. Head over to the fence and brace yourself for some leg swings across your body to really open up the hips. A few arm swings, a couple of shoulder rolls, and some wrist rolls. Now your body is significantly more primed to take on the game. Thirdly, instead of jumping into a game, find someone who will help you warm up properly with some basic drills. Dink cross-court on both sides, trying to move the ball and your partner, and make sure they're doing the same for you. You don't get to stand still in a game, so don't do it in the warm-up. Hit some volley-to-volleys, building up the pace as you feel comfortable. Take turns moving back to practice your blocks in the transition area, and then all the way back to the baseline to practice some third-shot drops. While you're back there, make sure to get some drives in. You never know when you'll need them. Work your way up to the kitchen and play out some points against each other at the kitchen line, both cross-court and heads up. After 10 to 20 minutes of this, you'll feel it in the legs, so it's time to hydrate and a little food. Some nuts, raisins, or a banana. Those things are great, and they're easily digestible and should fuel you for at least a couple of games. 
I've actually done a video analysis of Tyson and Riley's warm-up routine at a tournament, so feel free to check it out on coachmepickleball.com. Step four is the easy part. Play. Just play. Enjoy the games with the confidence of someone who has given their body a great chance to excel. Feel how you now move on the court. Get a sense of your timing, the shots you can make, distances you can cover, balance that you can keep. Feel free to break a sweat. Go ahead. You've earned it. That's it, people. It's not brain surgery. Try it. Not just once, not just twice. Commit to doing this kind of routine every day you play for a couple of weeks. Treat yourself like a pro, whether you are or not, and who knows? One day you might just reach your potential. Okay, that's probably enough preaching for the day. Let's get back to talk to Tyson and Riley. Well, you're basically, you know, rewriting the history books, and uh, and luckily now our listeners get some insight as to how you're doing it. Gentlemen, thank you so much for your time. I hope to see both of you on the court soon. Tell me, how can people get in touch with you? What kind of uh, teachings are you doing? Where can people find you? Tyson, what's uh, what's the story for you? Yeah, so story for me, you can check out all of my coaching services and tournament schedule, all my sponsors, kind of everything about me. Check out my website, go to TysonGuffin.com. I run my own camp company. I also do virtual lessons. We do voiceovers with like game analysis and stuff like that. Also too, you can find me on Instagram at Tyson McGuffin. You can find me on Facebook at Tyson McGuffin Pickleball, or you can follow Meg and I's lovely couples page at Tyson and Meg on Instagram. Wow. Okay. So essentially, if you ever just go near any computer, you're likely to see something Tyson <laughs> McGuffin related. Okay. Find it. All right. Find it and go okay. buy a Stoker Convictor today. <laughs> Good stuff. That's impressive. Riley, that's a tough act to follow, mate. You, do you want to just give give out your home address or something? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm glad uh, you asked him first so you could just rattle off for five minutes of that. No, uh, you know, Lindsay and I are actually starting our own little teaching uh, pickleball. It's called the Newman Nation Experience, where we kind of do a weekend teaching tournament kind of play uh, with everyone included. So that's super cool. Lindsay and I are also sponsored by Takea, which is a uh, water bottle company based out of Newport Beach. They're entering into pickleball, produce like a stainless steel appliances for water bottles. So it keeps my drinks cold in this Phoenix desert. I also want to say, obviously, thank you to Selkirk. They're the big number one sponsor for Tyson and I. Uh, my Mach 6 paddle, which I mentioned earlier, it's coming out in October. It's going to be a little bit longer handle for my two and a backhand. Beautiful. So yeah, Instagram, Facebook as well, Riley Newman, and uh, feel free to reach out at any time. Awesome. Gentlemen, thank you so much for your time. Much appreciated. Keep winning, keep making us proud, and we'll see you soon. Thanks, Morgan. All righty, Morgan. Thanks for having us on. Cheers. Oh, those two. Jeez. Love them. They've come a long way, haven't they? This podcast was powered by Selkirk. This podcast is also brought to you by the next generation of Selkirk Paddle, the Vanguard. Well, that's all we've got time for. I'm Morgan Evans, and this has been More or Less Pickleball. I was hoping he would succumb to some real alcoholism by now. Why isn't he drinking? Start smoking crack or something. I mean, do it. Something.